Hey, welcome to Music Made Me, the TuneCore podcast. I'm Erin Frankenheimer, and I'm going to be your host on today's episode. Today we're talking about YouTube, specifically how to manage your channel, build your subscriber and fan base, and how to make high-quality video content without spending a ton of money. So to speak about that more, we've got Louisiana singer-songwriter Mark Broussard with us. Mark is a successful recording artist, a philanthropist, and the founder of Artist Tone Records based in his hometown of Lafayette, Louisiana. His newest album, Easy to Love, is available for purchase now, and he has released a version of Please Come Home for Christmas for the Holidays, which is a part of Amazon's curated Christmas album, Christmas Soul. Mark's YouTube channel boasts close to 50,000 subscribers, and his latest video for Easy to Love, the title track off the new album, earned 57,000 views in just three weeks. Welcome, Mark Broussard. Thank you for having me, Aaron. I appreciate it. It's a pleasure to have you. Could you start by giving us a bit of background on your origin story, how you got to this level of success, both on the charts and on YouTube? Yes. Uh, so basically, I've been on stage since I was five years old. My father's a musician based in Lafayette, Louisiana, and uh, he put me on stage at a very, very early age. It wasn't until around 20 years old, though, that I became a professional in the business uh, I signed a record deal with Island Def Jam in around 2003, and I put out my first record with them the following year called Karen Crow, which is named after my hometown. And that record did quite well. It did, uh, you know, somewhere around two, two or three hundred thousand records, which even even at, at that time was kind of you know a big deal. It wasn't a huge deal, but it was just enough to give me out there and in front of folks. And uh, I started touring, uh, supporting Maroon 5 very early in their career. Wow. And uh, and that kind of catapulted me into my own fan base. And I've fostered that fan base for the past 15 years. And, and we generally play somewhere between 100 and 120 shows a year. And uh, so we stay quite busy uh, with the live shows. In fact, I'm, I'm going to be headed out to Mobile tonight. And we got a little run scheduled on the way down to Florida. So essentially, yeah, that's kind of the, the soup to nuts in, uh, in very short order. I also, you know, had other record deals with Vanguard records, uh, twice and with Atlantic records, but now I'm an independent artist. I have been for the last three albums. We just put out a brand new record, easy to love. And I'll, that came out in September and I should have another, philanthropic record coming out before next summer, hopefully. So we're very, very busy. Wonderful. So um, I'm going to go to this next question. You utilize YouTube for everything from polished music videos to live performances. You even plug new projects and upcoming shows. You also made a fun and clever little commercial promoting an album um, and merchandise bundle for the holiday season that has already had over 3,000 views. I thought it was very funny, by the way. Thank you. What video, what video concepts or promotions have you done where the results surprised you for good or bad? And, and what kind of things do you think are imperative um, for an artist to to reach that fan base? Well, I think, you know, for artists, the music is always going to be king. Um, if you don't have something to, to you got to have a, you got to have a great song that pulls people in. You need a, a battery of songs to back that, that initial contact. Uh, so I think songs are always going to be king. What surprises me the most is that uh, and, and counter to what I had assumed, that uh, 
you know, quality doesn't necessarily matter as much as I thought, at least. Uh, for example, a single handheld uh, shot, you know, single one shot performance video like mine called uh, the, the video that my father and I did for a song called Cry to Me is my most viewed video. It's got, I think, over two million views now. And it's a single shot handheld DSLR video you know it's 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 maybe two takes that were edited together but it's not the three camera hd shoot with the lighting all set up it's literally a, a really really good director and uh and, and a very steady hand so i really was banking on you know having to pony up some money and, and do these really high quality shoots which i still enjoy doing because i love the product that comes out at the end but at the end of the day, uh, from from what I can tell, uh, you know, you really can get away with a lot by just having a good camera and somebody that, that knows what they're doing manning the camera. Well, that was going to be my next, next question. So when you're starting out, the quality of the video is probably not that important. It's probably more about the content and and getting it out there. Is that is that sort of the, what you're well, saying? Well, what, what I'll say is this, is that, is that um, I think personally – that my fans and I are very similar. And so I kind of gauge what my fans would like based on the things that I enjoy watching on YouTube. And the only things that I enjoy watching on YouTube are, are nice, good looking quality, uh, uh, good audio quality videos. And so I've run with that notion that, that quality really matters. And, and, you know, we're talking about, uh, you know, HD versus uh, uh, an iPhone, right? But at the end of the day, from once again, from what I can tell, it doesn't seem like uh, like you need HD shoots. It just all you need is a really good song, a. And if you've got a great song, uh, that that'll get you a long way, to, especially if you don't have the quality video side. If you've got a great song, it doesn't even matter at that point. Well, let's say that you do, you know, you're in the next step and you and you you're you're beyond the iPhone, but you're not yep. quite you don't have a budget for a music video. What what's like that kind of what's the sweet spot there? What do you, what's the necessary next step to to make sure that you're you're getting a great video out there that isn't an iPhone handheld? I mean, I guess what's the process that you've used when it hasn't been some big budget? video you call up you, I call up a buddy that's got a nice camera and say hey uh would you mind coming to the studio i'll throw you a few hundred bucks i'm in a really good position where i can't afford to spend some money on this stuff and i've kind of because we tour so heavily i, I have a lifestyle that is that's very you know uh i i can i can rock out like this my wife and i are very comfortable uh living the way we're living for a, a very long time we're not rich by any means, but we've got food in our bellies and roofs over our head, and we're, we're comfortable uh, dedicating revenue streams that come in now, like a monetized YouTube page, for example. We're comfortable dedicating that stuff back into the into the promotional tools that we need. And so I'm fortunate enough to be able to throw a few hundred dollars at a guy or a gal who could come to the studio and, and, and shoot a video for me. Uh, and look, I think it's important stuff. 
we're, we essentially are spending every dime that we we generate on YouTube through monetization. We're spending all of that money right back into either video production or, or straight, you know, promotion. So I think that artists as a class really need to reevaluate how they view these particular revenue streams. Like, uh, we've reduced production costs on the album side, for example. We've reduced production costs to as close to zero as I possibly can, especially in light of the record deals that I was that I was accustomed to for the majority of my career. Atlantic Records gave me four hundred fifty thousand dollars for my second record there, wow. uh, and we spent every dime of it making a record that sold something like thirty copies. So. <clears throat> to now make records for really next to nothing, uh, it's radically changed the way that I look at my records and the revenue that might come from those records. Uh, I uh, essentially just chalk it up to promotional costs. If I don't make a dime from records, it's really okay because we can get into the black selling two or 3,000 copies. And it's a massive change in, in my psychology as regards my records you know i was always really looking forward to uh maybe being able to retire on on you know if, if one of my records did really really exceptionally well if it had some kind of viral viral fire behind it that uh and i ended up selling a million or two million records that that i could retire and i i don't even that stuff is so far outside the realm of possibility in my head now that the the small margins we make at three or four thousand records sold now, uh, I chalk up as you know revenue that's going to be fed right into the machine again. So I, I really feel like it's important for artists as a as a whole to to radically alter the way they they consider doing business when it comes to the products that we produce right, and marketing themselves through these resources like YouTube. So, so um, how often, because you have great video content, you have a huge library, you've got that 50,000 subscribers, basically. How often do you think people should be posting new video content? If you have the ability, I would suggest you post at least weekly. Um, you want to keep people engaged. And, and the, the idea is to keep people engaged so that, you can get them to a show. Uh, that's, that's all that, that this digital media really is. The entirety of my digital media campaign is strictly to drive people to my music at a live show because that's where the real transaction happens. That's where the most value between the artist and the fan comes in. Uh, I, that's where my, you know, people like myself have been making a living uh, performing for literally millennia, three thousand years ago, when a fellow or a gal had a nice voice, they could probably get a nice little spot next to the fire if they just sang a little quietly, you know, right. and, and maybe get a maybe get a drumstick off of the old uh, warthog or whatever. But the point is, is that performing is and always has been the bread and butter of this industry. It wasn't until the advent of recording that there was this whole other revenue stream that came on on board, and it's essentially been been kind of ground into the ground. Right, the value of recorded music is next to zero, and so performing once again is 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 uh, is taking its rightful place 
in at, at front and center uh, when when we talk about what artists are able to generate as far as income. So yeah, uh, essentially, you know, if you can post every week, uh, you're going to keep a fan base engaged enough to care when you when you might be coming through town, and that's ultimately the goal. And you you referred to YouTube as a, a machine earlier, or you know that money that you get out of it, and then you put it right back into that machine feeding it. it. It's not just music videos that you're doing, though. When you're talking about getting people out to the live shows, you do a lot of that. Um, just kind of those talking videos where you tell people where you are and what you're doing next. Do you see a lot of value in those, or a lot of good um, interaction with your fan base through those videos? Oh. Absolutely, absolutely, and I'm really looking forward to to expanding on that. I, I'm I'm in development right now for a new uh, talk show that hopefully we'll be able to launch at the beginning of the year. Uh, there's a group of artists in my community here in Louisiana that uh, I think is you know is unrivaled in as far as talent and and uh, you know je ne sais quoi if you will. There's an incredible. An incredibly gifted group of artists down here that that I'm essentially trying to be an organizing force for, and and so hopefully you're going to see a lot more uh, a lot more varied content coming out of me uh, in in you know in the coming year and in the coming years. It's we're we're right at the forefront, in my opinion, of a cultural movement. And that cultural movement is going to require some collaborative effects, some collaboration uh, in a style of music, for example, mine, that doesn't necessarily lend itself to collaboration in the traditional sense, right? I can't have a record where three or two other artists are guesting on every song. It's just not feasible. It's not really plausible. But there are other ways that we can collaborate. And so that's the goal is to create this space where collaboration happens in the digital space and we're able to bring these respective fan bases into a collective effort and hopefully maximize the dollars that we spend in the process. And speaking of maximizing dollars, back to that that Christmas video you did. Do you often do those things where you're plugging, hey, I've got a new product out? And, and no. For those, no. For those of you no, listening, a- it's a, more like a skit, sort of felt a little uh, Game of Thrones-esque <laughs> by the fire and uh, that great laugh you just heard talking about you can buy these these albums and it's the perfect Christmas gift and here's some merchandise on top of it. So you're doing a bundle sale for the holidays, clever, yep. warm and cozy by the fire commercial. Um, 3,000 views, do you see a lot of success from promoting it, You know, putting in the production time to make this clever Christmas commercial? Having all those views, are you seeing the the dollars coming in from this this new commercial? We definitely saw a major uptick in in you know site uh, visits to to my digital store, my online store, uh, and we definitely saw an uptick in the revenue that that at the store. Um, the video is not getting the kind of traction that I that I had hoped for. It's not you know it's, it hasn't gone viral quite yet, and I was really hoping that it would you know, just jump right off the map. Uh, but it's doing very, very well. My fans absolutely loved it. And it's given my fans an inside look at a different side of me because I, I don't talk very much from the stage. I don't feel like it's really my job to do the talking from the stage. So we just kind of plow through shows. And because of that, my fans don't have a whole lot. There's, there's quite a number of my fans that don't have uh, a real, real clear picture of who I am as a dude. 
this commercial definitely lets them in on a little bit, uh, the, you know, the, the humorous side of my, of my character. It's a lot of fun for me. And I, and I, I'm really happy that we did it and I'm looking forward to doing more like it. Um, but I, I'm not sure exactly how much time or money I'd be willing to invest in, in these kinds of commercials. I have to wait. I'll have to wait to see exactly how things shake out though. Okay. We'll have to see how that next tune core check comes in. Well, Thank you for that. Interesting, though. I think 3,000 views on a commercial that, that you might not think has gone viral yet. 3,000 views for, for a lot of folks, I think, is pretty impressive. So, um, yeah, that's a great video commercial that you have there. Um, and how do you think, I know it's kind of a general question, but how do you think using YouTube has expanded your fan base? You said earlier you think you and your fan base are a lot alike. Um, do you find that you're actually reaching people that maybe are a little outside of your fan base through YouTube? Absolutely. We get comments every day. Every single day, a new comment comes across the YouTube comment section for any number of my videos that says, wow, I can't believe I never heard of you. I love all this music, you know, and and so I, I really think that it's important once again to have enough material on a YouTube page that that people can really spend time with your music and get to know you comprehensively as an artist. And so that's one aspect of our YouTube campaign that, that we really have. Uh, we've seen a lot of development. You know, we're really bringing in new fans all the time because of this stuff, because it's easier to, <laughs> it's easier for folks to hit share on a really good video that moves them. Well, uh, it, it's not as easy for them to, sh to hit share on a, a Instagram post, right. Or like a, just a photograph, or just an audio track. Uh, so I think the video has definitely made a massive difference in that regard. What do you think is the most overlooked element to managing a YouTube channel? I uh, would assume that the most overlooked element would probably be, uh, you know, actually spending money to try to, to try to get the video in front of people. Once again, the, the money that we generate on YouTube literally gets fed right back into the promotional effort. So we, we take that money and we buy ads. We go and try to, and, and get that video in front of people. Um, I think that it's important for, uh, for, for you to understand that, that having really high quality video content could also land you gigs on a regular basis because there are concert promoters sitting in their offices right now scanning Facebook and scanning, uh, you know, Twitter and, and, and YouTube. And if you spend that money in the right way, if you turn on the right triggers, you're able to get in front of those 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 concert promoters while they're booking their calendar they're literally scrolling their facebook feed to try and drum up the next act that they're going to book six from excuse me six months from now and so if you come across their feed at the right time and you've got some good material behind you uh your chances are are better than none uh, that you'll at least be on their radar. And so sometimes that, that requires actually spending a little bit of money and turning on some mechanisms within Google's, uh, you know, ad, ad structure. So it, I think probably the most overlooked aspect of a YouTube campaign would be, would be actually spending money on, 
promoting the thing as opposed to just spending money on the, the, the production of the thing. So the $100, $200 you throw into that guy or gal friend with the camera, that's one expense. And then once you do have the great product, you should go ahead and do Google ads, Facebook ads, whatever it might be yes. to get to reach your audience. Absolutely. And if you got $5 or $100, it doesn't matter. Spend that money. Yeah, there's lots of cool geo-targeting you can do with all of that stuff. And so that's where you should invest your time and energy. Where do you think people over-invest their time, money, on the YouTube thing? Where, where are they? Where it's not important? Once again, I think that over-investing in high-quality production may be, uh, you know, may be short-sighted or at least uh, not very cost-effective in the short term. We're working on very, very small margins on the production side, right? Once again, the value of recorded music is next to nothing, if not nothing. And uh, I think it's, it's while quality is, is, is should always be considered, uh, you don't need to go and spend 40 grand making a video. It's not necessary. You don't have to have, uh, you know, um, you don't have to have a lighting rig even. Again, the, the, the most viewed video of mine with over 2 million views is a, uh, an acoustic performance video with my father and I and a buddy that I paid a few hundred bucks with his DSLR. And it's, a, you know, it's, it's not even one of the nice DSLRs. It's, it's probably a $2,000 camera. So if you have, I'm oh, sorry. No, go ahead. Well, go so ahead. if you have the song, like you and your dad had that song, you had the all the right elements there as far as what's really important, which is the song and the product. What if there's a new artist starting out and they've got that song? What's the advice you would give to them? Okay, you've got a great song. You've got a nice look. You know, here are the simple steps. Is it, what are those steps? There's a new artist. Maybe they're an artist tone artist sitting in front of you. Okay. How are you, how are you helping them make that next step for YouTube? So new artists breaking into this business is both the easiest that it's ever been and the hardest it's ever been, right? Because all of the benchmarks that the major industry players are looking for uh, require some money to hit, require a, a, a tracking band and a studio to make sure that you can get in the studio. Now, the biggest the, the, the most powerful asset any artist can have is a set of skills technically that will allow them to actuate their artistic vision. So every skill that I don't have personally, for example, audio engineering and drumming and bass playing and piano playing, all of those skills I don't have, in, at least at the, at the level that I need for my own purposes, I've got to outsource every one of those skills and I got to pay the best people that I possibly can find, you know, competitive market rates to, to help me actuate my artistic vision. And it gets more complicated the, the, the less skills you have. And, and trust me, this is coming from a guy that, that knows. I, I don't have many skills. I can sing and I can write a few songs. Outside of that, I need a, a whole team of guys and gals to help me pull off this vision. And it gets difficult to communicate that vision sometimes, especially to other creative people, uh, because we tend to want to follow our own creative leads, right? So anyways, the most important aspect, and, the, and I think that the, the most pressing issue facing the artist class is a skills gap. 
You know, I think that there are loads of artists that are really, really lazy when it comes to, to, uh, to getting technical. And so the more that you can, you can handle within your own purview, the better off you're going to be. And, and the, the more cost effective, at least you can make these productions. So I would encourage you, if you want to be in this business, if you're a brand new artist, uh, go and, and, and volunteer at the, the nicest studio in town and, and beg them for a free unpaid internship so that you can learn your way around a console or go and intern with a, a local ad agency who's got a film crew and learn how to do this, this film and, and edit process on your own so that you don't have to outsource this stuff. The very first step, the very, very first step, um, once again, you lead with the music. You, you've, got, you've got to have a great song to get you off into the races. And, you know, there's a part of me that suggests that, that you should focus all of your dollars. Let's say, let's say you've raised, uh, you've got a small regional fan base. You haven't made a record yet, but you, you started to grow this fan base around the area and you kicked off a Kickstarter campaign and you were able to raise 10 grand. Okay. Instead of thinking about recording a record with that $10,000, I would suggest you may want to track a single song, the best song that you got, and make sure that the cameras are rolling when you're tracking it and, and get some really high-quality documentary footage of the session as well as some performance videos. And then while the cameras are rolling, record some other tunes. You don't necessarily have to track them for the record, but just knock them out for a performance video while you got the guys in the studio. You always want to be trying to think about how to maximize these times where you have these people in the studio or, 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 or you have the cameras rolling. You want to maximize every one of those efforts. So, um, you know, don't, you don't always have to chase uh, a full, a full length album. You, it may be better served by, by starting small with a, a song or three. And being focused and grabbing that extra content from when you do have somebody recording you, trying to capture as much as you can. So do you have some things hidden in the vault there in your YouTube vault? Do you do things like that? Are there some videos from recording studios or things that might pop up later on? I'll say this. There's There's enough unreleased content to release a new a new video at least every week for the, the entirety of next year. Amazing. So you did say, you know, release something every week. Do you find, what if somebody's maybe not firing on all cylinders or where they, they really could be? Did you, do you think that YouTube should be used as, um, you know, if someone's still testing, is it a testing ground or is it your best foot forward? I think it should, your, I think it's the best foot forward. Now, um, you know, Facebook is obviously a very valuable asset for artistry as well. And, you know, there's, there's some talk of them helping uh, incentivize video content on the platform, especially from the artist class. So we're, we're talking about all kinds of tools. These are all tools for artists. And you need to be able to use these tools effectively and, and, um, and realistically. So, uh, you know, I understand that it's not easy to, uh, to, to shell out a few thousand dollars to hire a, an entire camera crew. And, but you, once again, you don't need to do that to post weekly. Right. 
I'm sure that my fans wouldn't be mad at me if I posted a video from my iPhone every week. And if, you, if you're an artist and you don't have time at least to post a four-minute song once a week, then why even bother trying to do anything video-wise anyways? Like four minutes a week, it's not a whole lot of time. Literally turn on your phone, strum a guitar for four minutes, and upload that bad boy to YouTube. I kind of like that challenge, four minutes a week. That's all you got. That's all you need. That's all you need. Well, thank you so much, Mark. Um, is there anything you want to talk about? Anything you'd like to share with our listeners here? Oh, I would say, um, you know, thank you all for the support. To all my fans out there, thank you so much. To all the young artists out there, <clears throat> do not be discouraged. There, <clears throat> There is a way to make a beautiful living in this business. And if you can get there... It, it is so worth it. I found such tremendous joy and purpose in my life because I've been able to, to make a living for, for, for now 15 years as a musician. Uh, and and it's, it's unlike any other job in the world, in my opinion. It's going to give you a better education than, uh, than any school classroom could. So just keep on trucking out there. If you ever need any advice, you can always hit me up on Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram, anywhere that you, uh, that you might, might find an artist, I'm there. So feel free to reach out. I, I, I take artists under my wing all the time, and I'd be more than happy to help you guys out. Amazing. Have a good one. And that's Mark Broussard. His newest album, Easy to Love, is now available for purchase. And check out his version of Please Come Home for Christmas, available for the holidays, a part of Amazon's curated Christmas album, Christmas Soul. Thank you so much, Mark. You got it, Aaron. Thank you so much. If you want to learn more about earning money from your music on YouTube, go to TuneCore.com and check out our artist services page. Please don't forget to subscribe to Music Made Me, rate us on iTunes, and follow us on social media at TuneCore.